and welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Matt. Matt, Matt what should people do? Irrelevant questions. I mean, like, subscribe, tell a friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I didn't really enunciate much of that. No, until, you were really like, I was blitzing after the, through it. Yeah, the like, first false start, you were like, okay, I'm going, I'm just going to get through numb. it. Yep. So <laughs> it's got a liquid numbing agent there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So check us out at REMproductions.net. REMproductions.net. Go listen to the last episode explaining what all that's about. Yeah. I have it's corporate overlords. I, it's, I own a company. It's him. He's, he's, he's I my, am his overlord. He's I am my his corporate boss. overlord. I'm not actually. I am literally nobody's boss right now. That's true. Because we don't actually have Andrew's employees. my boss. I guess that's true. Yeah. If anything, Andrew would be your boss, creative director. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Matt. So Preston. we're talking about we're content. Content week. Content week. Matt. Preston. What makes what motivates a good hero? That's our topic today. What motivates money? What motivates <laughs> a well written hero? Oh, I think there's a whole variety of things. Yeah, let's talk about it. I assumed there would be multiple. That's, I was like, I assumed. Okay, I talked about it at the end of last week, and then uh, before recording, that mm-hmm. like I, I thought of this idea. It's a discussion that requires really no research, except mm-hmm. for just like digging into what we've read and watched and our own thoughts on yeah. writing characters. Um, oh, there's the problem. And so I was bad. really hoping this wasn't going to be just like a oh, like trauma it's like always trauma like something like that where it's just there's one answer like i hope i I was hoping that there would be that you would believe that there was more to this Mm -hmm. and that i don't have to like pull more out of you (laughs) so i'm okay cool yeah so this won't be a five minute episode this will be a hopefully not yeah uh so let's start talking about what what uh what are you thinking what do you think when you think of a well-written hero motivation Mostly trauma. <laughs> trauma is a big one. No, it is an effective one. I mean, like the we all know and hate the woman in the fridge tra- trope. Oh, but God, I hate it. For... I saw someone explaining it, but they kept saying "girl in the refrigerator," and it like like that's not what it's called. <laughs> Lady in the refrigerator. <laughs> Lady in the ice box. <laughs> it's called Dame. woman in a fridge. Dame in the ice box. Uh, explain the woman in the fridge trope. Uh, so you, you actually probably know better than I do because it I originates do, in a green lantern. <laughs> it uh, uh, originates in a Green Lantern comic from I want to say the seventies. Actually, a lot more recent than that. It's Kyle Rayner, and he didn't show up until like the mid aughts. Okay, let's uh, let me verify. The trope originates. Long oh, before yeah. it has yeah. been a trope for a while. The, where it was like that, that that's it mm-hmm. was uh, a Green Lantern where it was Kyle Rayner's girlfriend was murdered by Major Force. His name was Major Force. Not as bad as Blackagar Boltagon, but like <laughs> same order of magnitude. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, uh, she was murdered and. Uh, losing a detail here, either chopped up or just all of her body was broken to be shoved into a fridge. And her murder was what gave Kyle Rayner the motivation to go and be a hero 
Um, and this was, this would have been, um, right after the, no, you're right. It might be in the seventies. Cause this would have been right after Hal Jordan went and murdered the entire Green Lantern Corps. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, uh, he needed, so you're right. It, you're, you're nodding at me. You're, it is the I'm, 70s. I'm doing my Google here. I think the reason I was confused is because they recapped that whole story in the mid-aughts. 1994. 19, okay, so. Split okay. the difference. Split the difference. Both of us. <laughs> Unqualified podcast. <laughs> I love the moments that really just accent that. Yep. Um, so yeah, 94. That tracks. Um, Extreme 90s. Yeah. Continue. Uh, uh yeah, so basically the idea is um, in its most elemental form, you have a masculine hero who is motivated by seeking revenge for the death of a female love interest who's been brutally murdered and shoved into a refrigerator specifically. Yes. Or <laughs> killed in some other way. Killed, removed, uh, somewhat put in danger in some capacity. It, it can, it can, you can kind of see the uh, the the fuzziness of the shadow of the trope. It's kind of yeah, it's kind of an outgrowth of just the classic damsel in distress almost. Right, it is exactly. That's a that's a very good. Uh, we can call it the gritty reboot of the damsel in distress. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, we go, gritty reboot. Because <laughs> uh, there's been mothers and sisters being uh, put sure. in harm's way. Uh, sure. Kidnapping. Martha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the Lego Movie Two saw um, what's her name get kidnapped, and like in the trailer, yeah, the trailer came out. I was like, "That's woman in the fridge, right there." Uh, even though they literally acknowledge like she's a strong female character and like blah blah mm-hmm. blah, but then woman in the fridge did anyway. Yeah, and I I always wonder about where to delineate that. Like, where is it um, something where it's like actually falls under the category and where is it? Oh, a character is in danger. I'm going to help. Like where, where is it? Where does it cross the line of like, it wouldn't matter here if it were a male this or female episode character. might totally just fully take a tangent into the woman in a fridge trope. <laughs> and I'm totally fine with that because it is a very big, that's a very good question. How does mm-hmm. that, how do you delineate that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, suddenly good mythical morning. Um, it's to me something that specifically makes a woman in a fridge is when the female character didn't have a role otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. Actually, to counteract my own example of Lego Movie Two, she what's her name? Wild Style. Wild Style. I couldn't remember it until right that very moment, I'm but it was so just in did. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had her own role to play as a hero in the previous movie and now she is put in danger Mm -hmm. woman in the fridge specifically whenever i refer to specifically the woman in the fridge it is Mm -hmm. kyle rayner's girlfriend right she existed as kyle's rayner's kyle rayner's girlfriend to be killed to give him a motivation to go do things yeah she did not serve a purpose otherwise okay um a I, I think arguments can be made against us in all of this. This is more of a sure. debate than like a we're deciding these are the delineations. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that in uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, Martha is not a woman in a fridge because mm-hmm. she has thus far been a a grounding mechanism for the Superman. Yeah, uh, has been like her character's role has been to 
give him the home that yep. Superman lives in. Um, yeah, no, and, I'm I'm all for a narrow definition, and I think that right, you're making a good point with Martha there. Creating a female character to then only okay, so Batman tends to have this happen yeah. quite a lot. Uh, anytime Bruce Wayne comes out of his shell to have a girlfriend, she'll get killed in some way or put in danger in of course. some way. Um, she's existed for two issues private previously has done nothing for thematic development for character development. Nope. Um, it's purely for the reason of putting her in danger to make him go beat up mad hat or whoever he's fighting at that point. Yeah. Um, I think that is the very clear delineation is what is the purpose of that woman Mm -hmm. who is being put in the fridge? Is she, is she a character? Is she a plot device? Right. That's the question. Well, that answers that question. Okay, good. That, <laughs> I do want to talk about the hero stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that can be a motivation like vengeance. And um, even as an outgrowth of that, you could take like uh, Batman's sort of mythic quest to make sure that no one else has to go through what he went through. Right. Well, and- where Where is vengeance done right? And where is it done wrong? Like, because you start delving into anti-hero, which... Mm-hmm. So now that you know the topic of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, I'd mentioned to you, and now I can mention the uh, two other side topics are antiheroes and villains. Okay. Uh, which we've touched on villains quite a lot. We can All right. draw on those past two episodes we've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about vengeance specifically and how we can make vengeance be a motivation for a hero and not delve into antihero. Because okay. Batman kind of toes that line. A little bit. And I think it's his code probably that keeps him on the right side there. Because right. I, when you said vengeance, my immediate thought was Punisher. Right. We'll save and him for an the anti-hero, anti-hero episode. But and so yeah. how do you how do you write or how how do you read write whatever vengeance in a way that it feels like it's vengeance? Because I don't really. F- okay, I'm gonna say two things. I don't feel that that Batman is a vengeance-driven hero. He literally says it in the trailer for 2022's The Batman, the directed by say, Matt Reeves, coming the to theaters. The second thing I'm going to say is I cannot wait for Matt Reeves' Batman <laughs> movie where he says, I am vengeance. <laughs> I, don't t- I don't traditionally view Batman as a vengeance hero because mm-hmm. he's not, with the exception of tracking down Joe Chill, who's the person who killed his family. Right. It's it's something that is is more... I want to improve the society that I grew up in that, that put me through what I did. Yeah. I don't want someone to go through this. It's not a vengeance on, cause I think that's what changes that difference of what vengeance is versus, mm-hmm. uh, societal improvement. Yeah. Because I see how that, how that, how that kind of, you can, there, that's a gray area between I mean, the two. Yeah. It's all just outgrowths of response to trauma. But. Right. Like, cause vengeance is, um, Assassin's Creed Origins. I talked about it last week. I kind of gave a little mm-hmm. spiel about what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, his son was killed, and he was seeking out the people that are responsible for that. That's his goal. His his hero is being driven by vengeance for mm-hmm. his son. Arguably an anti-hero because he just went and killed. But he it's we'll talk about anti-heroes a lot more. Like how do you sure. like that gray area? Because an assassin could consider kind of be considered an anti-hero, but the only people that they kill, mm-hmm. they don't kill. Well, no, he totally kills a ton of henchmen. <laughs> <laughs> totally just like 
yeah. goes through a just base and is like, oh, you're a dude that's just like taking a piss. Stabby, stabby. Actually <laughs> happens. Um, but like that's vengeance mm-hmm. versus Batman wanting to prevent other people from needing vengeance. Okay. Those are very carefully chosen words, and I hope they conveyed what I was trying to convey. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So how do you do vengeance in a hero? Maybe you don't. Maybe vengeance just makes you an anti-hero. He gets anti-hero, yeah. Mm-hmm. How many... Are there any heroes that are vengeance-driven? Because uh, I mean, vengeance is a really hard one to clearly define, because, I mean, you could argue that, like, the rebels in Star Wars Episode Four are all going for vengeance because they blew up uh alderaan yeah so let's go blow them up like (laughs) but no but that's that's never the theme of it in the movie they never say that it's just we're gonna take down the evil empire because they're the evil empire right and is that a form of vengeance no or is that a form of societal improvement societal improvement yeah okay all the way there there's no vengeance there the next vengeance example that came to mind for me was john wick yeah but is he kind of an anti-hero or is he a hero oh totally he's an anti-hero he murders just so many people. Okay, well, but so, all right. Um, what? Because mm, here's the thing: like, are we define? I guess are we defining an antihero as a hero that kills? Uh, that's where we start getting into moral <laughs> philosophy. Where like, is killing bad? <laughs> <laughs> well, like we talked specifically like just now about mm-hmm. woman in the fridge. That's vengeance, but yeah. like, they're still like. I guess you can motivate, like, I guess vengeance doesn't necessarily have to mean killing. True. It could be someone who's like, I want to take revenge on this person for killing my wife by putting mm-hmm. them in jail. Like, mm-hmm. it's justice. Yeah. Dif- uh, the, the moral dilemma between vengeance and justice. Mm-hmm. Which... Kind of Monte Cristo? Oh, God. I need to read that. It's a lot of book. I've been told I need to read the unabridged version. You do need to read the unabridged version. I have the abridged version literally in my car in case I ever break down and just need to read something while I'm waiting for five hours for a tow truck to find me in the middle of Nevada. Why is that specifically the example I think of? Who knows? On principle, you should burn the abridged version because you should always burn abridged versions. Always burn your abridges. I'll let it go. I'll let it slide. Like, that was pretty good. good but then you can put the actual version in there it's like 1250 pages oh and then if you're God. stranded for 50 hours in the middle of nevada <laughs> you've got something to read <laughs> um so all right so uh, vengeance justice it's <sighs> i think vengeance can be a motivating factor for your hero but not their overriding factor i was just getting around that ah. we're, we got we're on the same brain same wavelength does it consume them is the, right. i guess the question that that let it if uh so you've got a clearly defined goal mm-hmm. and if you go and you achieve that vengeance for you avenge the person that you're intending to avenge mm-hmm. and then you're done like you you've you've done it you are more of a hero but like well but then what about the heroes that like they like they're i'm gonna i'm gonna avenge my sister for being killed by this man. This man happens to be part of a large organization of people that are also killing other people. Mm-hmm. That goes from vengeance to societal improvement because right. It, it's like so. Yeah. So storytelling wise, vengeance can lead to justice. It's it, 
I mean, there's character growth there. There's yeah. the the strictly personal, almost visceral reaction of, oh, I need to get revenge on this person. Just basic human animal level instinct yeah. to, okay, I have to look beyond myself, see the forest for the trees. Like and... I have to work societally. I have to work largely to, yeah. to improve. I'm struggling to come up with a good example of that. But... Me too. I mean, like, I mean, Assassin's Creed is kind of a good one. Like, mm-hmm. I guess as a fair one for the beginning of the Assassins. I'm keep delving back to that because that's sure. a great example of this. Where, like, he tracks down the people directly responsible for his son. Mm-hmm. And then they discover along the way that there is a larger thing going on. And they drop everything in their life to seek to fight for justice for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an that's an example of going from vengeance to along the way as the character growth. That's why our friend Brendan and I like Bayek, who's the main character, one of the best assassins, like mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed main characters, is because there is that growth. I right. think that there we go. That's like the that's what drives a good character is if you start it with vengeance. Mm-hmm. They need to grow into, I have more to do right? so that other people don't go through what I've done. I need to protect people because I've been a victim of, I or someone I know or care about has been a victim of whatever this oppression or murder or syndicate, whatever is going yeah. on is. Um, and I think that, I think Batman is an example of that yep. where it was... Um, it depends on how you view what his goal was when he went out to training because he was a kid, parents died, uh, kind of lived for a little bit longer in Gotham and then went out to get training, mm-hmm. went to all the schools, went through all the trainers and became world's greatest detective, second best at everything else, and then came back. Uh, I guess the story, whoever is writing kind of determines what he came back to do whether it be like i'm gonna right. go find the person that did it or i'm gonna fight the corruption in gotham right um and i personally think it's the fight the product corruption in gotham i think that while he was out learning he discovered that like fixating on the specific person that killed his parents is gonna do nothing mm-hmm. that there is a more systemic issue that that's what he pursued yeah. Um. And I think that like his growth never really went like he did end up catching Go Joe Chill, putting him in prison, and then like Joe Chill, whatever you how whatever story happened at that point. But his character growth was while he was out training, came back with a sense of justice and yeah, correcting society. Yeah, that's something Batman Begins I think did pretty well. Like yeah, there's it's basically just a montage at the beginning, and um, he's I guess talking to because uh, he does show up at the courthouse with the gun yep and then just like someone else shoots him yep doesn't matter but then like doesn't stop him like he kind of realizes in that moment that this this guy isn't the problem he's not the person i'm mad at it's right what what led to this yep and i think that's what drives a great hero that's that's one of the that's the vengeance that, yep that's uh, a good one that that is like I mean, that, that explains why Batman's been so popular. Yeah. One of the reasons he's been so popular is because people can kind of understand that shift in perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and why I like John Wick. People like John Wick. Well, people like John Wick because it's great fighting. But also, he's an anti-hero. Yeah. I think we decided. That's it. Okay. So, that's Vengeance. Okay. What else? What's another... Well, Batman has been enduringly popular for 80 years at this point. 80... 80, 80 pushing 82, 82. Yeah. Um, Superman's been popular about as long. Mm-hmm. Truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah. Point the second. Point the second. Truth, justice, and the American way. Well, let's drop the American way because... <laughs> We've discovered that the American way might not be so good. So let's uh, let's not motivate a hero with the American way. <laughs> Political commentary for you there. Just let you just slide that out slide there. Slide that in there. Let, but truth and justice. Truth, justice, and some sort of ideal. Moral, idealism. Moral, yeah, like moral. Yep. I mean, we could talk about, um, what's it called? Uh, not moral elitism. Relativism? Moral relativism. I don't want to get into it. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> um, fighting. So he's not driven by trauma. No. Mostly. It depends on if you're the gritty reboot where oh, his yeah. parents were killed in a car wreck or whatever. Sure. But Because that's what um, we need. I've always liked that his parents are still around. I mean, like they'll die of old age, but it's not a sure. thing. And it's I like, mean, he's genuinely driven by... I just want to protect people like people are mm-hmm. good and there are things that exist. Like I, I just, I'm just going to do what I can. Yeah. Um, I love that one. It's, it's just so wholesome and just like it allows for so much more character growth because you can go to the jaded route where someone came in all bright eyed and mystified on like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a hero. And then like, they discover some grueling human realities. Uh, first season of The Boys, I'm thinking of Starlight. Oh, yeah. She goes through some stuff. She does. That she does. Like, because she, she's just, like, I just I just want to be a hero. I have these powers. I have a, I have a, um, I have a privilege that other people don't, so I'm going to mm-hmm. do what I can to help that. And right. then realizing, like, that there's just so much moral gray area. It gives, like... A good a good hero has good character growth, mm-hmm. right? So, how do you give character growth? You give them a dark side that they discover. Yep. Like, so how do you do it well? That's a good question. Um, you challenge their faith. You challenge their faith so that they come out more, like, resolute. Resolute, more. Uh, um. Not to terms, but it's, it's, they believe it f- more firmly in a way, which. More resolutely, you more, might say. I guess, yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, I believe, I, I think that they have a different context to it. Mm-hmm. Um, a good way of doing that would be maybe having something that, um, like their mantra they have at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that they just say, like, I'm going to bullshit something. Like this is going to be great. Stay tuned. All humans have humor. I don't know. Like something that or like all, all humans, like something like that. And then I love it. They go through something where that is, it's challenged mm-hmm. and they come out with a different understanding where they can say the same exact words, but they now have different understanding of what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can just say like all humans are strong. 
and you get a, a a conflict where people are put through like a grueling process and you see people break and mm-hmm. it challenges like oh these humans aren't strong like it, it's being alien right. like a superman thinks like all humans are strong inherently mm-hmm. and he watches like someone like him break them down and they just have them broken um but then you defeat them and like the human race endures and it's like his his perspective on humans are strong isn't humans individually mm-hmm. may be fragile, but the human race is strong. It's like, it's a different understanding, mm-hmm. different perspective on their mantra that they've learned through that challenging. So they believe yeah. it more firmly, more resolutely because they have a deeper understanding of what that actually means because of right. a new perspective. Right. Wow. What a monologue. Go Preston. <laughs> Love it. Very resolute. Yeah. I have a new understanding of I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's what was that um uh yeah we need to boil that down to um so eternal optimism sort of yeah e- eternal and fluid okay fluid optimism is uh, because if you have someone who has a very clear view on something and then mm-hmm. it's shattered mm-hmm uh, maybe a religion, like a religious is like you mm-hmm. like watch. Uh, actually, this is a really good one for gen- like people who people of faith. Uh, so a Christian's like, I God is all powerful and all knowing, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Why does God create cancer in children? And then you go through whatever your spiritual journey is to kind of like explore that, and you come out the other end, one of two ways. Mm-hmm completely agnostic or atheist that you just you've lost all of your faith right or you come out with an answer that that satisfies your spiritual needs that kind of recontextualizes your mm-hmm. your religion and may, maybe it won't line up perfectly with maybe what denomination or whatever yeah faction you were in but you come out with a better understanding of your own faith that still exists mm-hmm. you your uh your religion or your optimism in the case mm-hmm. of a hero is fluid in that you learn Right. You don't resist challenge to your to your view. It's it. So I think fluid and eternal optimism is kind of what that is what drives that hero is they have their their view that they that they do heroic things under, mm-hmm. but it gives them that room that they can grow with it while continuing to do hero things with that through line of character. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Like that fluid and uh, was it fluid and eternal optimism? Yep. And do you have any? Do you have any other good examples of that? Oh God, I I I think I'm running out of my meter of good examples of things and like my <laughs> monologue meter. <laughs> All know. right. Uh, I, do you have a? I do have one. Uh, okay, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Every single time. <laughs> Every single movie. <laughs> yeah. No. His his faith is constantly challenged, but like he trusts his own abilities he trusts the people around him and he's yeah. got something to fight for yeah um and i think the point of fallout was a lot of people were going into like into that with including me we're going in with pretty wild theories like oh he's gonna go so rogue he's gonna be the bad guy and henry yeah. cavill's gonna be the new good guy and it's gonna be awesome and it wasn't that it was a reaffirmation that things can get dark and things can challenge you in ways that you do do not right. expect but the eternally and fluidly fluidly eternally and fluidly yeah eternally and fluidly optimistic hero emerges the other side triumphant but 
weary. continuously optimistic and, and weary. Mm-hmm. And you get that, like, you know, like that rest period, that respite that mm-hmm. heroes always need. Spoilers for Mission Impossible 6. The good well, guys that kind of <laughs> explores the, the monomyth a little mm-hmm. bit. Like the hero's journey where it's just like the trials yeah and the challenging and like the hero is the one that comes out the other end but like the mm-hmm. villain is the one that maybe doesn't mm-hmm. and that might kind of branch into what was one of our classes of villains that that this could really well blend with i remember that we did that episode i All don't right. remember what we said uh the and the 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 um anti-hero where it's like the op the someone that mm-hmm. well, i can't remember the name that we used for it the um Someone who is a perfect mimic of them. They complement all yeah. of their. Uh, they're against actively against them because the mm-hmm. opposer is the one like Burr, where they have their own right. rules and just. Uh, but I think it was the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, you can have two people who go into who have who are both optimistic. One is fluidly internally. One is more static. They go through the same challenge. One comes out the other end. The other one comes out a villain. They've been friends or mm-hmm. allies or something, but different challenges, just different personalities. There you go. You have a really interesting villain hero. Yeah. I'm just going to write that down. No one steal that. Oh, it's been done a thousand <laughs> I'm sure times. I'm done. sure. I'm trying to, I, I tasted an example somewhere in there, but. What a series of words. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. let's see. So uh, vengeance, vengeance that lead that either concludes like a satisfied vengeance, mm-hmm. a, a satiable vengeance, mm-hmm. or how do we? Because these are all going to come back into the thesis at the end. Oh boy, there's going to be a lot of big words. What is the? I mean, that's kind of the point. So how do we describe the? Um, the societal improvement like what's uh how would you vengeance into justice satiable vengeance or vengeance into justice because i don't know like if it's really justice it's like your goal is to well i guess just yeah i guess justice yeah okay 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 so satiable or justable nah don't like that Satiable vengeance of just or vengeance to justice and eternal and fluid optimism. Mm-hmm. That's two. I guess kind of three. Okay. Two and a half. What else? What else you got? What else it's motivates a hero to go and be heroic? Sometimes people are motivated to heroism by the circumstances that are thrust upon them. Hey, here's a lightsaber. Your aunt and uncle are murdered. Let's go kill the Darth <laughs> Vader. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about Luke Skywalker a little bit. Let's see where he kind of fits into it. Because I feel like he kind of fits into vengeance. Or not really. Not really. Because... Why does he go? He wanted to go in the first place. He wanted to go yeah. out and he wanted to see the world. And he's he the... He just wanted to help with the... The wide-eyed the adventurer and all of us. Yeah. He, he didn't want to help with the rebellion. He wanted to join the Imperial Academy. Didn't he? I feel like I read a book that was about him before 4. Mm-hmm. He was like looking up into like... The being like the spaceship or the mm-hmm. fight happening over Tatooine. Yeah, it's a deleted scene from the movie. Oh, it is. Yeah. Mm. Watching the fight, but he uh, there's a line in the movie um, where he's talking to Owen and Baru, and he says, "I wanted to tra- transmit my application to the academy this year, meaning the the Imperial Flight oh. Academy." Oh. I've seen that movie. 
Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So he just, just he he wants to get out. He wants to get away. Um, he's the wide-eyed dreamer in all of us, and the like the little kid that wants to shoot for the stars, um, and maybe have a war in the stars. Uh, and circumstances prevail upon him. All of his attachments are ripped away from him. Everything he knows and loves, and he his eyes are opened to the realization that there's an enemy out there, and he has a, a quest placed before him. This is sounding really hero's journey. Monomyth it is kind of stuff here. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, Should we describe to listeners what the monomyth. Let's is? describe to listeners what the monomyth is. You've Preston, a, what's the monomyth? No, you've got a more fresh understanding of it because you just went through it with uh, Andy. So sorta. Um. So monomyth is basically a structure that all the stories follow. There's just all of them. Not really. Not literally. Um. I think it was term coined by joseph campbell am i remembering that name right yes cool go me point one map yes good uh so basically the idea is it's you can trace out a series of beats and there's like the the call to action and the uh the wise mentor um call to action being hey your aunt and uncle are murdered the wise mentor being old ben and his his wacky laser stick yep (laughs) (laughs) wacky in the sense that you whack people with it not wacky in the sense that it's a like a crazy goofy thing right although i guess both could be yeah ben is a little kooky yep sure is uh and then there's uh let's see i don't i don't remember the the points of it but basically um you're thrust into the action and you go through a series of trials and tribulations and you're taken to your lowest point and then you succeed and there's catharsis and themes and everyone gets a medal except chewbacca and then <laughs> <laughs> no that's more of the the uh wrapping up the denouement so i've got it i got the like all the points then why aren't you doing this well, see what you get you got it pretty good uh so starts there's 12 points of the hero's journey oh boy ordinary world that's you know luke's at tatooine I was going to Tashi Stage to pick up some power converters. I'm going to do impressions for all of these. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Nice. Good. Refusal of the call. Kicks R2 over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, that was a... What what would be considered the refusal to call? Um, I mean, it's... In in Star Wars particularly, I mean, I guess it's kind of... It's It's more of like Owen that kind of refuses his call. Yeah, like, I need to go, and he's like, "No, that's how it aligns." Because <laughs> meeting the mentor, so like th- this all kind of happens all at the same time. Meeting the mentor, yeah. Meeting Ben, uh, crossing the threshold. That is him leaving. That is them. Him finding. Uh, well, meeting the mentor also kind of. Mm-hmm. It's a little muddy because yeah. it's crossing the threshold and then tests allies and enemies. Mm-hmm. So he kind of meets an ally, meets the allies before crossing the threshold i would say crossing the threshold is when he sees his aunt and uncle's charred corpse at that point there's no going back your life I has changed I, irrevocably i always see the crossing threshold as him leaving tattooing oh you're being all literal Han. about it right i mean yeah like it's i mean there's uh, with lord of the rings sam literally goes i've never like crossing the threshold is literally a step further than he's ever been yeah like sometimes it is a very literal sense yep um so tests allies enemies it's when you kind of like learn that's when you start learning the plot mm-hmm. like Oh, Darth Vader. (laughs) Uh, Then approach for number seven. Number eight is ordeal, death, and rebirth, uh, which would be 
probably like Ben dying. Yeah. Like them fleeing the Death Star. Spoiler alert for Star Wars Episode Four coming came out in nineteen what seventy four. Close. Seventy two. Wrong direction. Seventy nine. Close. Seven hundred and four. Seventy seven. Yeah. You imbecile. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what came out in 69? Nice. I know. But what came out that year? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the word nice officially started in 1969. It was, yeah, originated as a marketing... Uh, 1969. It's, it's, it's the reason I always think that episode four came out in 69. The moon landing? I mean, I know that happened. But... It happened in 1969. Um... Which then fed into this sci-fi. Anyway, what the hell? Uh, Ordeal Death Rebirth uh, it tends to be like, you know, the lowest point that you mentioned. Right. Then Reward Seizing the Sword. Uh, that is like It's called Seizing the Sword in, in this. Um, it's, you know, you did the thing. Like, I think. This this part gets a little weird because it's kind of like it all happens really quickly in a, mm-hmm. in a typical resolution. Right. Reward seizing the sword, the road back, resurrection, return with elixir. Like, mm-hmm. you kind of did the thing and it's all like really quickly just like time to go home with all the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but now that we've explained that, okay. get back to our conversation. Back to our conversation. What was our conversation? Sometimes heroism is not something you set out to do. Sometimes heroism right. is thrust upon you. Yes. Uh, Frodo. I, I was, beat me to it. He didn't want to go to Mordor. Nope. He just kind of got a ring and was like, mm, time to time mm. to run away. Inherited the ring and Gandalf said, hey, we got to get this to Rivendell. You're the man for the job. I mean, the hobbit for the job. What makes it compelling? Because if you just get little Timmy who just like needs to go and deliver a mail mm-hmm. packet to his neighbor, like what about a story where a mom just says, Hey, I need you to give this package to the neighbor. Like a little short story of just like, as an mm-hmm. adventure has been thrust on our hero, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Did I say Timmy or Jimmy? I think I said Timmy. I always go Timmy. I know so many Timothys though, which is weird. Anyway, what what would what makes that kind of thing compelling because we have two very compelling examples Mm -hmm. luke and frodo yeah but like how can that be done poorly because the question is what motivates a well-written hero ah yes indeed uh so i think it's the way it works and makes it compelling um is it's that sense of uh, meeting the challenge, rising to the challenge, accomplishing the thing. I mean, you know, it's little kids. It's always really satisfying them for them to like help out with something or do something. And like, you know, parents will have them help out with, with little things or yeah. something. And, and kids are like, yeah, I did it. I did a big grown up thing. Yeah. And so seeing someone with a seemingly insurmountable challenge, Hey, Luke, you're a farm boy. Take down the entire empire <laughs> <laughs> with one torpedo. <laughs> it's uh it's the the mother of all challenges but you're like i i can do this i can i can fight this i can overcome i'm i can be the greatest if there ever was i can catch them all and pass the test (laughs) yeah all right yeah it's the the it's compelling when the when the quest is something that is just like so it's not mom handing the letter to timmy to go take it to his neighbor it's Mm -hmm. 
mom hand mom telling Timmy to take the giant package that's twice his size mm-hmm. to the neighbor that like has a really rambunctious rambunctious dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, how's he gonna do this? Yeah. You set him a difficult challenge and you you struggle with him. Okay. So it's it's pretty simple like that. It's having a seemingly insurmountable quest thrust upon you. Yep. And you can I mean, you can fail, you can give up, you can this isn't for me. I'm going home. Which can also be a compelling story. Name one example where that's a compelling story. In my brain. Me. <laughs> nah, that's not true. I got suspended from college and still graduated. Out of boy. So, that's three. Okay. Three and a half. Give me one more. What's what's an and there's probably more. We oh, could probably do sure. more. But we're at forty five minutes and the last episode was an hour and a half and I've mm-hmm. got shit to do, so yeah. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um we can we can do another episode of this if we just want to expand this next week. Yeah, I or, I mean I guess I'm, in four weeks. <laughs> I'm starting to run a little little slow on these. I'm I'm thinking some well. There's a few that are sort of like intersections between some of these or halfway points. I'm thinking of like um, the protectiveness aspect, like Quiet Place. It's been on my on my mind. Yeah, where um, it's it's not survival. Yeah, and it's kind of okay. Circumstances are thrust upon you, like that. But it's, I so, it's less of rising to the challenge and more of yeah. It's yeah. It, it's not it's not an insurmountable quest that you go and achieve a thing, right? Um, like take down the empire, destroy the ring. It's yep. quiet place. You have, still haven't seen Nomadland because mm-hmm. that's one that like she. Because when I say hero, we kind of generally mean protagonist. Yeah. Broadly speaking. Yep. Um, and so I think survival is one of its own things where it's like, there's not a thing that you can finish. Mm-hmm. Like there is kind of an ultimate, I guess, goal of I have survived so long that I am now thriving. Mm-hmm. But a hero, the road, you've seen the road. I've read the book. You've read the book. Okay. Even, probably even better. There's probably. no quest for them it's all survival it's just let's mm-hmm. just stay alive one of them does it better than the other <laughs> oh, snap. he went there <laughs> spoiler for the road <laughs> um it's it's purely survival it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have an end yeah um there can be a light at the end of the tunnel um most of them usually do mm-hmm. i mean like zombie survival like walking dead all yeah. of the heroes is just survival there's no no end goal and i think that like a quiet place is one of those yeah there's no end goal um a compelling survival is i don't know what's a compelling survival like okay you can write a compelling survival like a quiet place Mm -hmm. where towards the end they're kind you get this little glimpse of Mm -hmm. a light at the end of the tunnel Same with a road. Uh, I don't know if it happens in the book, but in the movie, during the credits, there's little sounds of, like, a dog and, like, birds tweeting and children playing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, that, oh, oh, I think at the end of the story, he finds the people. Right? Does that happen in the book? 
I think it happens in the movie. It was like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, but there is like the light at the end of the tunnel. The problem with something like The Walking Dead, it mm-hmm. is a recurring survival that you need to constantly amp up the um, stakes. Yeah. And so you bring in humans who were smarter and then it stops becoming a survival thing and more becoming a let's kill things. Yeah. I was thinking of, uh, well, good zombie movies like uh, 28 Days Later. Right. Um, but even that, it eventually just becomes, okay, bad humans now. Right. And I think a survival is... I, I think it's really hard to do a re- reoccurring survival, mm-hmm. like a, a perpetual survival, because naturally the the point of a survival story, I guess we are talking about like a, a story, you have mm-hmm. a hero, a survival, is that the point is that like they rise to the challenge. They, they, they learn skills that makes them survive better mm-hmm. to where at the end of the story you say they've got it from here. Right. Like that that's kind of the the vibe you get at the end of a good survival thing. Mm-hmm. Bad survival thing is like there is none of that. Like it's just like either like they're alive and we still don't know if they're going to survive very long mm-hmm. or you just keep going with it and it's just going to right. become Negan. Which great villain, but that's that's what yeah. the Walking Dead's become. Um so I, I survival i think the the key to a survival like your thoughts what do you think because i don't really have a solid answer yeah i'm kind of fumbling around the edges of this one a little bit too (laughs) (laughs) i was just kind of i was just kind of zoning out and letting your letting you do some talking there so Uh, well i was (laughs) (laughs) well i was i I was thinking about uh dunkirk and how dunkirk might fit into that framework because it is survival when we talked about um villains and we talked about sort of the almost the the nature the constant yeah, man versus nature man yeah. versus nature and dunkirk comes close to that category because the nature is literally other people but it's such a don't see them ambiguous yeah ambiguous force of evil that it kind of becomes the nature yeah yeah and so like there there is the goal there's the goal of escape and get off the beach but it is the goal is survive, right. survive successfully, mm-hmm. and live to fight another day. Um, Dunkirk, that's an example. Yes. <laughs> Good. I think we're starting to get tired. <laughs> We've been recording for two and a half hours. At this that's point. A, a lot of words. A lot of words. More words than I usually say. Yeah. So, okay. So let, let's let's start wrapping this up then. Let's let's get survival wrapped up and then we'll thesisize. Okay. Which I'm going to make you do, so brace yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> so survival, it's... Um, so, what did you just say? Remember, Preston. Dunkirk was a good movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That's, that's what I said. Uh, no, uh, survival. Um, what is a what is a hero that is survived that it, that their motivation of survival need to have in order for it to be a compelling hero? Certain sort of relentlessness, like uh, just I'm going to get the job right and I'm going to do the job right every time because if I don't, my family dies because they played monopoly wrong okay well that's a yeah (laughs) a quiet place i got that joke but that's a really important piece of it is Mm -hmm. that it's not only just for you i think a compelling hero needs to survive for someone else okay or for something else Mm -hmm. the road spoilers for the road hot man vigo mortensen needs to survive for his son Mm -hmm. uh quiet place 
uh, Jim needs to survive for don't know anyone else that his kids are in. I don't think there have been anything else. <laughs> yeah. This... Have they been anything else? Noah Jupe is in The Undoing and oh, yeah. like six other things. Yeah. Okay. He's in so everything. he needs to survive for his kids. Uh, I mean, zombie films. Well, okay. So what, 28 Days Later, I haven't seen it all the way through. Okay. I know it's Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. What does he need to survive for? What's his triumph of the human spirit? He does. It, honestly, it's just like I'm alive. Not many other people are. Let's just keep going. That's still a good story. I mean, yeah, there's something to that. Um, it, yeah, there, there's kind of a, a split there where it's more of just like the instinctive. I think that I think it's uh, it depends on the character because mm-hmm. I think that there are characters who, if it weren't for the people or things that they need to survive for, they would just. Right. Resign themselves to the death. But like a character like Killian Murphy's character is more self-driven and has more value in himself and just perpetuating mm-hmm. humanity. Right. Uh, meanwhile, other characters, while like they might not just survive for themselves. Well, I mean, that's a great example. The two heroes that I just mentioned, they're surviving for other people and they also end up sacrificing themselves in some yep. way. Um, so it is, uh, it's either in, in a survival sense, either for just damn it, I'm going to live mm-hmm. or there is someone that they need to survive for and they will ultimately end up sacrificing themselves as a, as a hero. Mm-hmm. So a sacrificial, uh, survival or death be damned survival. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the kind of two elements of that. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm satisfied with that. Cool. Thesisize us? Thesisize us. Uh, we got a lot of heroes out there. There are a lot of heroes out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the heroes, I mean, if you're going to have a well-written, this is kind of the underlying point that we've alluded to but haven't really talked about. If you're going to have a hero that you sympathize about and care about and you want them to succeed in their story, you got to believe their motivation to some extent. Right. Some of these believable and we feel effective motivations can be a satiable vengeance or vengeance into justice. Um, there is the eternal but fluid optimism. I love that one. That's, that's a, a good really one. good one. It's that's the kind of thesis element that is reminiscent of like a lot of our best ones, where it's a short thing, but there's a lot of juice in those words, like what they mean. Yep, I like it. It's a good one. Uh, there is, man, I lost my momentum there. Good stuff. Sorry. (laughs) There's rising to the challenge, facing down your quest. Um, and then there is survival, both on the category of, uh, survival as protector, um, or ensuring the survival of others and, um, survival as individual, just dug on human stubbornness. (laughs) Dug on human stubbornness. Love. Oh, there we go. So, uh. What's it? Um, survival. What was the other survival? I had an SS. Sacrificial survival. Sacrificial survival. And stubbornness survival. Yeah. Alliteration. I like it. This is right. a good episode. I'm glad that this, this, this worked turned well. out yeah. well. This could have been so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's a good. That's a good thesis. That's what heroes are. Or that's okay. Change that. That's, heroes that's are what, one of those four things. That's what well motivated heroes are. So, shoust we. Let's shoust. Thanks everyone for listening. We've uh, talked about heroes a good little bit here. 
Um, you can find the first half of this podcast sort of, or last week's episode, if you want to think of it that way, where we talked about the news and kind of some of the interesting stuff we've been up to. That's on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio and Podbean. If you want to know what the hell I'm talking about, how I started a company, I explained it more in depth last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Check us out at rmproductions.net. That's our new grand encompassing website it's got us on there and some some fun stuff there and we've got uh, uh, jay fusion film, we've got jay fusion who's a great music artist yep um short film coyote directed by our corporate creative officer person man creative director <laughs> creative director my boss andrew uh, andy johnson yep great dude great creator mm-hmm. looking forward to He's seeing all right dude you, you know, don't have to deal with him as often as i do it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he ever will listen to this. I wonder if anyone will ever tell him that I said this. Tell him I said this. If you ever see him, tell him I said this. We'll see what happens. Put that out there. Little experiment. Just little experiment. See yep. how many people actually pay attention and get to this far. Exactly. That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I want someone to go through and do a super, uh, super cut of all of my instruments that I've hit so I know which instruments I've hit more often. That sounds like getting hit in the instruments for an hour. In addition to the website, we're also on social media, Facebook. We're on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod and Instagram under the same handle, that at Just Us Losers Pod. Uh, we've got a Gmail. I'm sure we missed some interesting potential motivations for heroes. Oh, yeah. Does it count as a hero if they're just in it for the money? Hell, okay. Gage, throw this somewhere earlier in the episode before you cut it for video. If you think that there are other motivations that you think don't fit into these categories... Tell us by Gmail or Instagram, or maybe I'll throw it on an Instagram story, something mm-hmm. like that. Sure. Uh, and then if there are enough compelling ones that we think we could talk about extensively, we might do a part two with all of those. Part two, crowdsource edition. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> We're also on YouTube. Uh, I said it much better last week, but our, our lovely editor Gage in all of his bearded loveliness uh painstakingly trawls through the general vomit of words yeah tr trolls t-r-a-w oh i don't know Traws? a-w-l l there's an l in there (laughs) (laughs) what was i saying youtube uh gage edits together uh, a bunch of stuff um about how we no uh Gage edits together the, the best and the brightest bits and um, sifts through through the flotsam and um, assembles jetsam. it. Flotsam and jetsam and assembles it into something. Yeah, I mean, it's the title of one of the chapters in Two Towers. YouTube, shortened versions of episodes, lovely video of smiling faces and Preston's alcohol. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.